If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this, what's probably going to be one of our more popular episodes mm, of predictive. Mind Pump. Before we get into the fitness talk, we do our introductory you know, conversation stuff. We talk about the differences between steam and sauna. We talk about Adam's new swimming protocol. He's coming after uh, Greenfield. He thinks he's going to beat him mm-hmm. in a swimming competition. Team Adam. Uh, I talked about a, stu- a study on a, new, on a supplement that's uh, popular in pre-workout supplements, and they're finding that it's actually bad for your brain. Uh, so if you take pre-workouts, you might want to hit, listen Yikes. to that part. Um, and then we get into the fitness part uh, of the episode, and really what we talked about the entire time, and this is why I think this is going to be a popular episode, is five ways that you can get a smaller waist or five ways you can make your midsection look more sexy and attractive. So it's all about core training, all about the function of the core, all about getting a smaller tighter midsection, um, all the stuff that people, I guess, are, a lot of people are interested in. I mean, the midsection really is a focal point of the body. It kind of tells us a lot about whether or not someone's healthy and fit or whether they're not. Um, and of course, uh, most people, men and women, when they're, when they're pulled, the midsection is among the top body parts that they find attractive. So this is Probably going to be a popular episode, so you're going to enjoy it. Um, also, I want to remind everybody, there's only 24 hours left. You only have one day left for our 50% off MAPS Performance Sale. Now, remember, MAPS Performance was designed to train people um, in all kinds of different aspects of athletic performance, everything from strength to agility to power, even endurance. You will develop a balanced-looking athletic body by following this program and having a good diet. So here's what you do. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N-5-0, for 50% off. If you're listening to this when this episode drops, you have 24 hours left, and after that, the promotion will be gone. You're swimming how many days a week now? Uh, at least three. So it's, uh, I mean, I'm only, I'm only a weekend. I knocked out three last week. Um, we're starting into the new week this week. And how long does the swim session last? Oh, not very long at all. It's not. Uh, I'm doing like sprints in the pool, right? So it's it's there and back. So it's uh, is that the Silver Creek uh, complex? Yeah, we're doing it. Or? Okay, mm-hmm. that's the place we all remember. When we first filmed our first. God, yeah, dude, the old YouTube days. And they've dumped more money in that place. It's so fucking nice. Really? Dude, I love their uh, steam room. Yeah. The only problem it's with the steam room place. is that that's the steam room. That remember that's those are the uh, the those legendary battles I had with the old man. Right. Right. Uh, Right. And uh, I'd I like was to there go, for one of those. I'd like to go back and see if he's there um, mm. still. Um, I he probably never even left the the steam room, motherfucker. But yeah. anyway, um, the steam room used to be where they had the little temperature gauge. Yeah, and you could pour. They had a little hose in there, and you could spray it with cold water and just get the steam to go forever. Yeah, and kill everyone. Now they eliminated the. Nah, it's better now. Uh, can you turn up the steam? Fuck yeah! How? So there's a there's a th- thermometer on the top. And you you can't be like a five five guy and reach it. You got to be a taller guy. So the short people they got to deal <laughs> with. They're it. fucked. Yeah, they're you, fucked. They got to step on top but, of somebody. And you don't have to be that tall. I mean, any any of you could re- even Doug could reach it. It's not that like crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but barely Thanks, on his tiptoes. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's a it's a little it's a little like a thermometer, and you just walk in, you put your finger on it because the room's obviously really cold. Your finger's colder than that. And then seconds, it'll, and you, so somebody figured out a new hack. Yeah, mm. so I, I that's I go in there. Now, are you swimming and then doing? 
doing steam and uh-huh. sauna. Okay, so that's my routine. Right so now. there was a, a great study that I read a, a while ago where they and it was cyclists. So you might like this because a lot of what you're doing, even though you're sprinting, it's still a lot of stamina. Right, it's way more stamina than lifting. Right, is that they had cyclists and they uh, they compared cyclists who trained um, versus cyclists who trained and did sauna post workout. Oh, and interesting. The, the sauna post workout plus training. There was a significant improvement in uh, time to fatigue. People they built their stamina oh. much higher levels. Oh, that's it. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah. But it's the sauna though. It's not steam because the problem with steam is it's the surface of your skin gets really hot. So it's good for your skin and it's good for respiratory and some heat acclimation. But sauna just cooks you. Oh, I and see. That, it doesn't that's penetrate you, you quite as much yeah, as the sauna. Yeah, you want penetration. Yeah, you do. So wait a second. How does the, how, how does the steam not do that though? I feel like the steam heats your core temperature up just as because much. it's so because it, it's wet and so hot that yeah. you, you can't you can't get it hot as hot as you can with a dry sauna because your skin will scald. It'll yeah. burn your skin. Okay. So I'm sure if you stay in there long enough, you you'll get some of that. Yeah, I would think you still get yeah. some of the best because I just enjoy the steam. I like it, the most. especially with. Uh, I love breathing it. Yeah, my allergies, right? So I'm always congested and stuffy, and so man, and there that's another reason why I like Club Sport is they, they put that uh, what is it the not aloe vera but the what's uh, eucalyptus. eucalyptus? Yeah, eucalyptus yeah. inside there, and that just feels. Are they putting that in there now? Yeah. Oh damn it! It's so nice. I want to go back. It's no, it's um, I I forgot like. How much I liked training there. So now it's a little headache because I'm a little bit further away. I used to live right around the corner from there. So I, I got to drive across town, but it's so worth it, man. They just, it's so clean and nice. And they now have that, that, you know, kind of CrossFit area. So there's lots of squat racks and an area for me to lift. And then they have that, the whole juice bar area. That's, I, I like this too. I love gyms that have really good juice bars that you can order a, you know, gorilla shake afterwards. If I just like that, I like being able to do my workout, do the steam, take a nice shower, come out, get a nice smoothie for the drive home. You know, so what I like, was doing for a while before I put the the gym in my garage is we were going there. And the, now the reason why I canceled was because when I have my kids, it's almost impossible to make it over there because I have to wake up early. I'd have to wake up at like four a.m. Leave the kids at home. I'm, I'm what is going to do that? But uh, what I was doing before uh, when I went there was we, I would go there, I'd work out, I would do steam, and then I'd have some time and I'd have my computer there and I'd sit in that little lounge area yeah. and I'd work because you had the free Wi-Fi there. So part of this goal, and I, and I normally don't like talking about stuff like this until like I've created the habit, like I didn't even announce that I was swimming until I actually swam. My goal is to create this new routine um, and become this morning workout guy because uh, I just think it's going to be uh, more advantageous with uh, Maximus coming. And so I think that I'd like to get up, you know, five or six, go there, swim some laps, do the steam, and then do exactly what you said, sit in the lobby, knock out any of my like DMs and emails, and then head off to work. And I just, I feel like if I can create that habit, I'll feel amazing uh, every day. It's just, I've never been a morning workout person, but the swimming is different. The swimming is very therapeutic for me. I don't feel like a... It's. I'm not breathing super, super hard. I allow myself uh, a rest between the laps that I swim. So total amount of time, what are you doing, like 15, 20 minutes in the pool? Uh, I haven't really watched the clock. So the, what I started off with, I did 10 laps the very first time, then I did 15 laps, and now I'm doing 20 laps, which is 50 meters. Um, one lap is there and back? No, there? I'm counting there there okay. as 25. So it's 25 meters one way, 25 meters back. Got it. Uh, and... 
now and I, I don't know how much more than 20 I'll do we'll see that takes me I would guess I haven't really looked the clock but I'd guess it's only taken me like 15 20 minutes to mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. and then I kind of mess around with doing uh you know different strokes and and kind of wading around the pool and just kind of hanging out but I, I want to start it because I'm going for speed I'm not trying to uh, I'm not working on endurance with this I don't want to be in the pool for an hour it's not my goal at all like I'd rather I don't want to probably spend more more than ever 30 minutes in there like in a perfect world I can get to a point where I could swim for like 20 30 minutes straight but be done but I don't want to be any longer than that mm-hmm. I don't want to be in there for an hour and endurance. Now are you doing this fasted I guess not right now because you're not doing it in the morning yet right so you've already eaten during the day yeah, I haven't done a morning one yet. I wonder if you do it in the morning, if it'll be better fasted or if you're probably going to want something. That's a good question. It'll be interesting to see. Right now, it's it's not hard for me. It's not, I'm not pushing. It's just like anything else that I approach. I think this is a lot of people are like, oh my God, yeah, swimming so hard. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not making it very hard. I'm no, you're training I, yourself appropriately. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm making it a little more challenging each time. And it, and if anything, I'm working on technique and speed. So. Uh, I've been watching tons of YouTube stuff. I ordered all the books, like, you know, so I'm, I'm working on my technique when I swim and trying to improve, uh, how many strokes I do to get across the pool and back. And so I'm trying to minimize that. People don't realize that's the biggest aspect in in how fast you swim is your technique. People Mm -hmm. think it's all about the power and how much you're generating. Oh, I'll tell you something. It's your skill, man. I'll tell you something I've learned already that, um, you know, this is why I'm excited to kind of do this. Uh, I, I naturally have always been a decent swimmer. I've never in my life tried to apply myself and learn the skill of it and get good at it. And so now that I've been diving into stuff and reading and watching videos, I was blown away that kicking with your legs is like not good at all. Hmm. So you your your legs really are just there to transition your body and and torso and your arms are doing all the work. And a big mistake that people make is they kick so hard with their legs, your legs start to sink down and they create drag. And they say only, I think, I forget where I read this. It was, I want to say it was 3%. It was like less than 10% of your leg drive contributes to the speed of your your, your swim. Oh, wow. Everything is coming from the, the so arm. you just want them to glide more than anything. You yeah, want so drive that's why small arms. legs is so beneficial. Yes. You look at these swimmers. Less drag. Well, you look at Michael Phelps. He's How tall is he? 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, yeah, he's all legs. torso. Though. And his legs would would are nor, would be normal for someone who's like 5'9 or 5'10". He's right. got these little tiny short legs right. and it's a little bit of drag. Like Justin, you'd have a lot of drag. Yeah, I, with your I, butt. I I love drag. No, yeah. that's I mean, and it's true that this is uh, this <laughs> is where this is where the the speed really comes in, which again explains why I was kind of naturally good at it right out the gates. Is because I do I have very narrow hips. I don't have super long legs for as tall as I am. I have a much longer wingspan, and so if I can just master uh, staying buoyant and not drag, letting my legs sink and drag and staying more on, on top of the water a little bit. How's your breathing going? Like as you turn over and all that, does that become more natural? Uh, yeah. And uh, more stuff that I've learned on there, like the technique of doing that better. Uh, so and this is all from YouTube. Yeah. God, what a great time. I know. It's, YouTube it's, is awesome. It's How a, would you get this shit before? Yeah, you'd you'd have, have to go on a book. You'd and, have to read the book. I've ordered the books too, but I've already learned a ton yeah. just watching YouTube videos because the same guys that have the books, uh, the runs I was recommended, what Ben recommended swim smooth and then total immersion is the other one I've been going through and I've been reading, uh, on all that. What's that? Dude, right? look at the, the dimensions of, of, uh, Michael Phelps. Wow. He's six, four. His wingspan is six, seven. 
So his arms are his full arms are longer three than inches his body. than his height. Yeah. What wow. does it say anything about his legs there, Doug? His short legs and long torso decreases his resistance in the water. Yeah. yeah less, I bet you in, drag. in real life he would look. He probably looks weird. weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, you look a little odd when you've seen someone like that. They have the real long torso, like an orangutan with his big long arms. Well, you know what they say? They say that swimmers are like the like the best best swimmers in the world, which obviously have incredible performance, lots of training, lots of dedication, but also genetically are built to be great swimmers at extreme levels. That they're terrible on land because the things that make you super good, yeah. at like Michael, like Michael Phelps, six. He's six four, right? But he's got the legs of someone's like five ten. That would make him a terrible runner, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. If you look at like runners, for yeah. example, or sprinters, they've got long legs, long legs, and, and short arms. They can pump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, no totally. Absolutely. I. You know. That's why I was probably never a great sprinter. You know, I was never great at that. I was. I was better at endurance. So I posted the. Uh, I've talked on the podcast, um, a long time ago about the time where we all went out on the pool, right? Yeah. So those that have seen this video and, and I should explain what happened. I mean, we were all at at Club Sport or Bay Club, whatever it's called. I think it was Bay Club. And uh Justin, Sal, Doug and I met uh our buddies Ben Zorn and Craig Caperso over there. They were launching something. I don't remember what it was, but it was a yeah. big party mm-hmm. and we all got drunk. We were drinking and uh that led to shit talking and I believe I was talking shit to Craig. I think it was Craig that I was talking the shit to or Ben Zorn about and, swimming about swimming and uh we decided that we would get in the pool and we'd race well next to us next to the cabana next to us uh these two guys overheard and they wanted to you know why they did that right well after the fact I knew why I didn't know why when we, we originally got in right so they say yeah we, they wanted to race too it's fuck it we're doing it anyways let's go so we went five lanes deep it's Craig, Ben Zorn, myself, and then these two these two swimmers. And I was cheering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go! I was too. And uh, I lost. And um, you know, not like I race people in the pool all the time, but I've never been beaten by somebody in the pool until that day. And I got beat by both the guys, and I was like, fuck. I was like, damn, those guys were fast. Well, come to find out when we get out, they're both collegiate level swimmers and currently swimming for Arizona State and I was like oh, okay but do you know why they challenged us and do you guys remember who they were hanging out with I don't remember they had a whole group and they Chicks. had yes and, the, and, and we're uh, all a bunch of everybody was all shredded at the time Craig's a freaking you know bodybuilder just yeah. a beast. Ben Zorn is like the handsomest guy in the world he had yeah. Adam you know we were all you know doing our and the girls just kept looking over I think they wanted to assert themselves <laughs> yeah well they did you know yeah, I mean? totally I got beat for sure yeah, yeah. but I post <laughs> hopefully I, got him late yeah, I, like, I posted the video and uh, already, and I'm talking shit to Ben, right? I already see him backpedaling on me already. No, I no. do, I do. Hey, I think the video scared him a little. No, bit. No, you did. I no. do, I do, I do. Because <laughs> he came back with, oh, 50 meters, ha ha ha. Like, come, come see me when you're ready to swim across the lake. Uh, I told you he's gonna put all these other parameters. I know. He just, met, you just know, do it the way that you know we have it set up. He's talking shit. I yeah. would never race Ben across a lake. Never. First of all, he's probably gonna pick a lake with alligators or some weird shit. Yeah, and it'll be like free. It'll be like 30 below. Yeah, it'll be in the snow. <laughs> 
Forget that. Alligator. Actually, there wouldn't be alligators. Yeah. Yeah. Be polar bears or alligators <laughs> in the lake. Yeah, so. <laughs> What's in a lake? Crocodile? Yeah. No, uh, neither one of those. Are, they don't, those they are don't swamps. Those are more, yeah, like a pond. Yeah. I think there's alligators in the, in, in lakes, right? Sure. Ponds, right? Everglades. Right? I'm looking at Doug. Doug's saying yes. Yes, there are alligators in Florida in yeah. lakes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Are those yeah. lakes or those swamps? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a semantics a merger. Swampy lakes. Swampy lakes. We'll say Everglades. Anyway, I was asking you about you know if you were going to work out fasted and, and it reminded me of a, a study that I just read did you guys see the there was a scientific American just put out an article talking about uh, L norvaline the oh, amino acid I saw you post that no. on your story yeah so so you know valine one of the amino acids in in uh, of the branch amino acids well norvaline is a version of that it's got an extra hydrogen molecule attached to it so it's not the branch amino acids uh, uh, you know of, of valine. So it's something different, but a lot of supplement companies are put norvaline in their pre-workouts because it uh, reduces the enzyme that degrades nitric oxide. So it's supposed to help you get a better pump. Well, this fucking article comes out, and I'll read you guys the title of it because it was kind of it says bodybuilding supplement. It's in Science News. That's what it was. Bodybuilding supplement could be bad for the brain. And what they're saying is that uh, this compound has been linked now to neurodegenerative diseases. Wow. And, uh, and they did some studies on human cells, and it's suggesting that norvaline may also cause, will cause damage to these cells in, in the brain. There you go. Another bodybuilding Uh-oh. supplement there. We gotta, yeah. But you get a good pump. You just won't. You just won't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> Risk versus reward, right? Yeah. Is it a common one? Is it? Is it's in crazy. a lot of pre workouts. Is yeah. it? It is in a lot of pre workouts. Absolutely. Oh, and they'll wow. just throw it in because they know it's supposed to help with the pump. Are, are supplement companies just shitting their pants right now, or what? Um. Yeah. What they'll always what they typically do is they'll either first they'll defend it and, and say, oh, the and the doses that we recommend, and then yeah. you know the way we recommend you use it, the risk is actually not there, whatever. And then if it keeps pushing. Then they'll reformulate uh, their product and change it. It's funny. Yeah. I, I messaged uh, Mike Matthews um, yesterday, and I'm, I sent that to him. I'm like, "Do you put this in your supplements?" He goes, "No, I didn't put it in." He goes, "It's not studied enough." Of course, I didn't put it in. I'm like that motherfucker did a good job again. He yeah. always does. Yeah, he does a great Mr. job. Integrity. But anyway, so with your with your swimming, uh, most important muscles you think you need to train. I, I have my I've trained swimmers, not to swim, but I've trained triathletes um, and athletes. And the feedback I used to get from them used to trip me out all the time. So uh, one in particular, I used to train this woman who um, would compete in uh, triathlon events. She was actually quite successful. And after my lifting with her, on some days she would go off and train for her events. So whether she'd go cycling or running or swimming. And it wasn't often, but if we were training, it depends on her. It depended on her schedule. But so sometimes we lifted first, and then she'd go train. And if it was a leg day or an arm day or we're hitting back or chest, she's like, you know, I'm a little tired. She goes, but it doesn't really affect me. But if you hammer my core, she's like, I'm fucked. You hammer my core, my swimming, my running, I'm, I'm screwed. Totally, everything's thrown off. I can't perform nearly as well. Are you noticing anything with your core? With so your- that was one of the coolest things that I noticed the very first time I swam was my core had never felt sore like it was sore from this. See? And that was fascinating to me because I've, of course, I've done every core exercise under the sun and uh, felt my core sore in different places. Uh, Never have I felt it like I felt this. It felt, I mean, it felt deep inside. It felt on the sides. It felt up top on the bottom. Like my entire, 
uh, core area felt in to- totally sore from mm-hmm. that. And it wasn't like, a, thank God I didn't do it for a very long time. I did it just for the, the short stint, so it wasn't debilitating where I couldn't do anything else. But uh, that was out of everything. I, my lats weren't really sore. My shoulders weren't sore. My legs weren't sore. My core was really sore. How wild is that? Yeah, it was. It felt good, though. It was a really good sore. It, it just felt like I had worked <clears throat> deep muscles that I hadn't really worked in a long time. And so that was kind of what made me go get excited. I was like, ooh, this is... This is going to be good. And I've been walking around the last week, and we know that I've talked about, uh, you know, if, it, if I ever have any issues, it's low back stuff, and it's because I have that anterior pelvic tilt. And ever since I've worked really good, I've worked really hard on the deep squat, it's eliminated a lot of that. Um, if there's an area that I neglect, I openly discuss this on the podcast a lot, is that I don't do enough core and ab work, and I know I should mm-hmm. to help support that. And I feel that. I feel really good well, right let's, now. Well, let's talk about this because there's a lot of myths that surround core training. So maybe we can talk about how to like develop like a sexy midsection, but also shrink your waist and create some, you know, some good function. Like what, how would you structure this? What would it look like? And, you know, here's something that I'm thinking about as you're talking about your, your swim and how you felt it so deep. There's a lot of muscles that stabilize that, that mid part of your body, your core. And, uh, the problem with a lot of people is that they over rely on certain muscles to stabilize their core, and that's why they either can't perform well or they develop uh, like back or hip problems. Right. Um, and the main ones, in my opinion, are like the hip flexors mm-hmm. because your hip, when you're swimming, your 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 psoas, for example, that's helping helping to stabilize your core as well. But if it was dominant, if that did most of the stabilization, at some point, you well, you definitely have lower performance, but you would have. Uh, well, probably develop problems. I think the key to developing a, a sexy midsection or a strong core or great abs, period, the number one thing is is getting connected well to it. I mean, Like when knowing I, how to activate them yeah, and what to, they do. The, the proper function of it and, and then how to probably disengage things like your hip flexor because when I looked at all the clients that I trained um, and we talk about the core or the abs – the, the number one uh, issue with people developing abs is the ability to actually work them properly. Mm-hmm. Right. It's really easy to allow other muscles to take over the movement. And many people don't really understand the function of of the core and the abs and, and, and all the different uh, purposes that it serves and then how to train it correctly. So I think getting really well connected to it is the, the very first thing. And it's one of the number one videos that you did on YouTube, Sal, that uh, has gone viral, which is the hip flexor deactivation yeah. mm-hmm. exercise. And it's interesting to see, like I had the same thing. A lot of times, you just point things out, like where where they need to be feeling this, and so you'll you'll add in, like I'll I'll sort of like touch certain areas and have them draw in, and then just that external feedback will a lot of times prompt them to, oh wow, I can actually feel this, or have them actually twist and resist mm-hmm. forces, like just these little like tricks or. Um, also having um, like the camel and, and cat and cow uh, maneuver of how to draw in properly is like mind blowing for a lot of people just because it's it's a conscious effort now to connect to those muscles. That's where we got to start. Yeah. A lot of the confusion is uh, people will think, OK, I want to work my abs. So what my abs do is they fold my my body in half. Kind of. They kind of do, but they don't fold you at the hips. They fold you at your spine. And then people will think, oh, the obliques, it just that just helps me twist my body. Yeah, kind of, but it twists you at your lumbar, at your spine. So it's not just twisting your whole body. It's twisting you in a particular way if you're just looking at the specific 
action of those muscles. So it's important to understand how to do that. And you would be surprised. I was surprised as a trainer at how many people couldn't do that. Like I used to get clients all the time. I'm sure you guys did too, where they, do you guys remember that? Um, it was like a crunch machine, but it wasn't plate loader. It was just a, like you laid down on it. You put your arms like this yeah, and you're able to do like mm. sit-ups or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it would support your head and neck. That yeah. Okay. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And they would do a trillion reps. And so yeah. I get clients that come up to me and be like, Oh, I'd be like, okay, what does your workout look yeah. like? And say, okay, today we're going to work on your core and let's start out with some ab work. And I'm like, Oh, I, I do, you know, I can do a hundred reps on that thing. And immediately I know you are not really, really fully activating your abs. They're just kind of stabilizing while you're using your hip flexors. And so I'll get them to, you know, you brought up cat and cow, but even before that, I'd have them do like lie (coughs) lie on the floor and be able to press their low back into the floor. That to me is yeah, the, that's first. That's the the, the yeah. furthest regression in my opinion. Yeah, I yeah. think because you have <laughs> gravity helping you, and then you also to Justin's point, you have the floor for feedback. Mm-hmm. And so I almost take anybody who has a hard time feeling things in their abs, any of the ab exercises in their abs, I get them right down on the floor, laying on their back. And I teach them the back presses, just teaching them how to. And it basically, it's a, it's a, it's a, you're, you're tilting your pelvis is what you're doing. Cause yeah. when you're laying on the floor and it, it, I'll explain it on the podcast so people can understand when you're laying on your back, your butt is touching the floor and your back is on the floor and there's a little space under your lower back, that natural curve. So if you're laying down, your whole back isn't flat. You have this natural curve. All you're going to do without taking your butt off the floor or anything else is just take that low back space and press it down into the floor. And that is, in order to do that, you have to articulate your spine and you have to activate the muscles of your core in order to do that. And that is, it, it used to blow me away how difficult mm-hmm. that simple movement was. And it, it was, you know, I had an experience like this when we did windmills a long time ago. The first time Justin showed me how to do a windmill, I couldn't do it because I couldn't connect to the movement. It was almost like I was telling my body to do something it didn't it would be like telling my body how to fly i don't know what i'm i don't know how to fly mm-hmm. i've never done that before so when you're doing this these back presses you're literally understand you start to understand and connect to the pelvic tilt and the articulation of the spine and oh that's what my abs do that's like step 1 so mm-hmm. i used to take that like when i'm trying to teach and, and i would start with a very basic ab crunch where you're laying down in that position and that would be the cue every time before I allowed them to crunch. So would, start there. Yeah, I'd say back press, now crunch. Back press, now crunch. And that getting them to start that movement like that gets them moving in the right direction, using the proper muscles to do this small little thing. And it world of a difference once you – and that's where I think everybody has to kind of – or should start so they really understand the mechanics of the movement because like the point you made, Sal, it's, it's – the body sees the folding – and so what the brain does is just say like, okay, fold. Oh, trying to get Let's up. Make it more efficient. Yeah, just fold over, just yeah. whatever. But you know, when you're trying to train specific muscles and the body has all these secondary muscles that also assist in what you see, it's hard to separate the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so a great way to start that is to do the back presses first. Yeah, the the, the, the biggest offenders of, of you know some of the problems we're talking about also happens to be one of the better exercises for abs, but it's the one that nobody does right, which are leg raises, um, hanging leg raises or supported leg raises, or the worst ones are when people do bicycles when they're hanging. And what ends up happening is you're, they're, they are bending at their body, but it's all hip flexor. It's all hip flexor. And the abs are just kind of holding the body steady. So people say, oh, I feel it in my abs. Right. But you're working the hip flexor. And what ends up happening is you train your body to be really strong 
in this back arched position with hip flexors constantly working, which is, there's nothing inherently wrong about that, except when that becomes the only position you're strong in. Right. Now you're fucked. Now you're walking, you're sitting, you're doing anything. You've got this arched body, hip flexors that are getting overworked, hip flexors attach at your spine, and, and some of them do. That causes low back pain. Mm. Now you become those people who get back pain when they work out their core. That's the opposite of what sh should happen. You work out your core, unless you have something really bad wrong with your back, you shouldn't feel soreness in your back. You should feel great. You should feel immediate. I used to love doing that with clients too, is I would blow them away. They'd come in with some back problems and I'd say, okay, we're going to work on your core. And they'd be like, oh no, I can't. Every time I work my core- Hurts my back. Hurts my back. Right. And then I'd have them do like back presses yeah. and bird dogs and all these different you know, kind of movements. So now you take that from the floor, you assess too, like, like one of our tests where we're trying to flatten out your back against the wall. So another like flat structure. Next level. Right. But now, now we're looking at too that rib flare. And, and that rib flare is going to tell us a lot about like how connected you are to that TVA. So that, that muscle there that's, that's helping you to pull everything in. And so that sort of vacuum maneuver that you've also taught on, on, on YouTube. As yeah. Well. We got to talk about the TVA um, and why that's such an important muscle. That's like the body's. So TVA is a transverse abdominus and it's a, it's the most important muscle in your body besides your heart. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's the body's, <laughs> weight, it's the body's weight belt. It yeah. is literally, when you wear a weight belt on your, uh, it's literally what a weight belt does in, in, in essence. When, you, when you're at the beach and you're walking around and you see someone attractive and you suck your stomach in to make your waist look smaller, the muscle that you activated to suck in your stomach is the TVA. That's what that muscle does. Now, you don't want to have to walk around constantly sucking in all the time. You want to be able to breathe, but you also want a really strong TVA for two reasons. One... If, it, if your TVA muscles are lax and weak, you will develop or you can develop kind of this lower abdominal pooch. And you see this uh, especially uh, in post-pregnancy uh, post because women will have a baby and when the baby's growing, it stretches out the muscles of the core, in particular the TVA. The muscle has to atrophy and weaken right. to make space. Then they have the baby. Then they go to the gym and they do abs and obliques and all these other things. And it but, feels totally different. But the TVA has never been strengthened. Yeah. And the, that's what makes it, that's why they come to me and they say, you know, I've been doing abs. I've been doing everything. I had a baby two years ago. I still have this lower belly pooch. What's going on? I'm like, well, you didn't work the muscle that is contributing to that. That's the TVA. That's the muscle that shrinks and tightens your waist. Back in the day, uh, you know, bodybuilders, it was one of the compulsory poses in some bodybuilding competitions was the vacuum pose. Mm -hmm. This is where they stand up and they put their hands behind their head like they're going to flex their abs. And then they suck in their midsection to show right. how small they you can get. You can almost see their ribs like uh, more pronounced by how like effective they are at, at sucking in. Uh, you know their their abs with that, and it's it's definitely it's that's one of those that's very it's it's a very hard concept initially to get. Especially, I've had a lot of uh, uh, women clients who have had you know the pregnancy, and then they come back, and it's a really hard time um, you know connecting again to their their abdominals. It's and, so weird, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, like you said, it it the body naturally has to allow that to mm -hmm. stretch in order to make room. Yeah, so I actually measured the difference once. Um, I had a female client. She was lean, um, and it was post-pregnancy. This was like seven months after she had her baby, but she was already pretty active. She wasn't a, a like a fitness professional, but she was an enthusiast. So she came to me, and she was already pretty lean. She'd already done a phenomenal job. She just couldn't understand why her 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 lower abdominal area would 
pooch out or whatever. And she's like, my waist is just not as small as it used to be. Is it just permanently stretched out? Like, what do I do? And so we did lots of TVA exercises, like one of which is, uh, is, is called a vacuum. And you could do the standing where you're just standing up tall and you just suck in your belly button, suck in your stomach like you're trying to make your ribs stuck, uh, stick out. And, and that activates it. But I added a little extra resistance. And so what I had her do is go on her hands and knees. So she's like in that quadru- quadruped position. And then I had her suck in her belly button up to her spine and squeeze and hold that. And the funny thing is when we first did that, she couldn't connect to it. So I'm like, suck in your stomach. And she's like, I am. I'm yeah. like, no, you're not. I'm like, try sucking in. She's like, I am. So I had to put my finger on her belly button and push it up into her spine. And then she started kind of feeling it and started squeezing it. Anyhow, doing these exercises, she trained with me uh, for a short period of time, but she did a lot of them on her own. She lost two inches around her waist. She mm-hmm. didn't lose any weight. She didn't get any leaner. It was all because she was able to strengthen the muscles that tightened up her midsection and gave her that smaller waist. And so this is an exercise. I used to love telling this to people like, I can get your waist smaller without getting you leaner. And it was, let's tighten up your TVA. Right, because you see all these products that are now like making their way into the market that are old. You know, like the the old corset sort of oh, uh, techniques, and like now you're seeing them as squeams. Or, I mean, even with the weight belt, like you'd mentioned, this is like a natural way to kind of promote uh, that that support and stability with with your muscles. Uh, so, like wearing a weight belt itself too is a different technique to lift. But you know, you see a lot of times the guys in the gym will wear that to kind of help support and keep their midsection in tight. Yeah, that's a good point. When you wear a weight belt, you're teaching your core to do the opposite of what it does without a weight belt to stabilize. So when you have, when you're stabilizing without a weight belt, it braces and it draws in a little bit and tightens up. When you wear a weight belt, you're, you te- you train your push body out, to push, push out. Because yeah. the belt creates uh, stability. That's why That's you- the real drawback of wearing that all the time. Yeah. I try and tell my buddies that wear it all the time in the gym. It's like, well, if you're going to wear it all the time in the gym, you may as well start wearing it all the time fucking outside too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're now training yourself to s- utilize your core in the opposite way that it's designed to support your spine naturally. So that's the, the, the worst part about somebody who uses that as a safety mechanism. You know, another thing that's really great about the training the TVA is also its support in all their movements. Now, I know we're talking about building a sexy midsection and a strong core is shrinking your waist. But man, the value of of having a very strong core and its carryover into all the other aspects of training is that's the first everything. Before I do any movement, the very first thing that happens is that core tightens up. So and that's I can always tell somebody who who has a really good understanding of their core or their transverse abdominis is you can see it with beautiful mechanics. Mm Because if you have the ability to draw in and really tighten up the core around the spine to support it and keep it rigid, then even if you have a couple hundred pounds on your back or you're doing these multi-planar movements, they st- you still see these this really fluid, beautiful. There's no breakdown. There's no breakdown. No, no. Where if you have a very weak core and you don't and you don't connect well to it and you can't stabilize there well and you do movements, you see lots of movement and breakdown through the kinetic chain, and so. Learning to train the core, especially very important for the beginners as they come into lifting because you are setting yourself up for better mechanics in all other movements well, that you do. Well, look, any any movement that you do that involves both the arms and legs, and I don't mean they have to be moving. I mean, even if you're just standing, but it's involving the legs because you're standing, Any and you're just using your arms. Any movement that involves the top and the bottom half of your body, which is pretty much everything, um, requires a very strong 
stable, um, and communicative, uh, effectively communicative uh, core. It requires a core that can connect the two halves of your body. So here's a great example for people listening who are like, uh, doesn't make any sense. When you watch, go if you're listening to the podcast right now and it's in your ears and you can walk, try walking and try moving your arms the same way you move your legs and look and notice how awkward you are. <laughs> so you step forward with your left leg rather than moving with your right arm, step move your left arm forward. So now your left arm and your left leg move at the same time and your right arm and right leg move at the same time. And you're going to look like a like a weirdo yeah. <laughs> because the body doesn't move that way. The way the body oh, moves contralateral. There's lots of contralateral rotation and counter rotation stuff going on where if I'm running, my ability for my upper my core to twist and and transfer that energy and me to use my arms along with that is imperative. Now that's walking and running, which are basic human, uh, you know, movements. I'm talking about not anything else. Barbell curls, the most b- simple, basic exercise. Your core has to communicate to the ground if you're standing. Now, if you're sitting down, there's a little bit less involvement, but there's still some because your hips still attaches to your core. You just shorten the lever, mm-hmm. but I don't care what exercise you do. You need a, a well-functioning core. Now the side effect of that is a tight, attractive looking waist. Now, and- now I have to touch on something right here because this is the the reason and you just explained really well why I used to teach a split stance and all these basic upper body exercises is because you take somebody in a split stance where they have to balance. It was an old school trainer trick of mine that I used to do with clients to get them to understand that concept of keeping the core tight the entire time through a movement that doesn't really require a ton of it. You could still, you could have your core completely slouched over and you could perform a bicep Mm. curl, but it's going to look sloppy. It's not going to be controlled. You're not going to get the most out of the movement. You're not protecting yourself. It's not safe. And so I would teach this split stance to get them to be kind of off kilter a little bit, which would force them to draw in their core and right. activate it. And now they're starting to get in that habit. It's an easy way for them to, you don't have to cue them to now engage their glutes, to draw in their core. Like right. it, it, it does that by default because you being in that position forces uh, them to be active there. Right. And yeah, so that, that that's another issue. It's like you could perform that same exercise. Uh, you know, if you're in a, a bilateral position and I'm now curling, so I have both feet, uh, you know, in, parallel to each other, I could now, you know, be in a back arch position where now I rest. I could rest and sit in that position and, and pull, but now all the forces get trapped. Right. All, all these forces you're going to feel now get trapped right there where you're hinging mm. uh, into your back. And this is where a lot of the uh, the problems are. When the force doesn't get you know distributed all the way through to, to the ground, right. you're, in, you're in trouble. Well, a body that communicates well develops well. Um, that's a fact. So if you are lacking the stability and the ability to communicate your two hemispheres, your body or whatever you want to call them, the upper and lower part or the right and left side – you're actually going to reduce your body's ability to adapt uh, and build muscle. You know, back on the TVA, you know, the vacuum exercises really are the are the main specific exercises I would do for them. But the other thing I would do with the TVA is when then when they got better able to control and they could connect to it, is I would have them activate their TVA when doing other traditional ab exercises, like doing a crunch, but while doing the crunch, drawing in the TVA and squeezing that changes the exercise. Now you're going to get less work on the abdominals themselves, but you are going to work the abdominals along with the drawing in motion of the TVA and you're going to get that waist shrinking 
kind of thing. And for for people who are maybe competitors and bodybuilders who really are looking for the aesthetic and are doing lots of exercises to develop their midsection, drawing your TVA while doing these exercises. And what it'll do is, A, it'll teach your body to be tighter on stage. There's nothing more, for me, more annoying than seeing you know, competitors on stage relaxing between poses and their guts hang out because right. they have terrible TVA control along with other things. But So it, it helps you keep it all in. But also... Uh, will contribute to a smaller looking waist as it becomes you know much tighter. Right. Um, some of my favorite exercises for core. I think we should talk about some of the best ones that we like to do with clients. Now I know the crunch is a basic exercise, and you know trainers like to start off by teaching people how to crunch. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, though, I had more luck teaching people how to activate their abs properly with a basic flat bench, legs tucked, reverse crunch. Mm. It was always easier for me to get them to learn how to articulate the spine and squeeze their, their midsection, their, their abs, than doing a traditional crunch. And if they weren't strong enough to do one, I used to put my hands on their feet with their legs bent, right. and I'd push a little bit just to get them so to lifting learn. lifting their hips would kind of help promote that lumbar flexion extension a little yeah. bit better, like help them understand it better. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I keep them nice and tucked. So legs tucked, everything's tucked, and I just teach them how to roll back. And they used to, you know, I'd have them anchor uh, at, the, at the top of the bench with their arms. That was probably one of my favorite starting movement I could agree with that because if I if I wasn't going to do what I said which was the you know back press into like a short crunch because that's if I'm doing a crunch I'm most certainly not just teaching a crunch like because I think that no it becomes this yeah I think it, it turns it turns to be like how many times have you guys had a client say they feel it in their neck Oh, yeah. I mean, that was like a super common thing is people are moving their head and they're not actually they're doing the chicken dance. While yeah, they're, they're not rolling the spine up. So the back press into a short crunch or the back press into the reverse crunch to me is the, oh, the yeah. is the staple first maneuver that I teach somebody who's trying to learn how to really work their abs yeah, properly. Middle, again, that whole neck, you know, feeling the neck thing, that's your body. I mean, you're just trying, all it thinks of is I need to get to that destination. And so your body's just trying to help you get there by leaning forward with your head as far as possible. So to, to be able to, you know, like understand the intent of the exercise and really just focus in on uh, what's going on there and drawing in and crunching forward and uh, in the midsection is everything. Yeah. Do, you know when here a trick I learned a long time ago, and I can't remember why it works, but it actually does work. When people's necks would get tired doing certain ab exercises, part of the reason, by the way, people's necks get tired is people have weak necks. This is just we don't strengthen our necks totally. at all. That, that is definitely a, a contribution. <laughs> yeah, and so one thing, this is a trick that I learned from, and I can't remember what certification it was that I, I took. That I learned this from the instructor said, have them close their mouth and press their tongue to the top of the, the roof of their mouth. What? And, yes, and it apparently activates other deep muscles in hmm. the in the in the neck or helps them with their recruitment pattern. And so I would test that with clients and be like, "Oh, my neck's getting tired." And I say, "Okay, close your mouth and push your tongue." Oh, that's an interesting. Yeah. And it would help that. that and they'd be like, "Oh, my neck's not as tired anymore." Wow, I So I don't know if that's so just I had, some I had one, but mine was you would lay down bat on their back and then you pretend like there is a string attached to your nose and it goes straight up to the ceiling. Oh, so they're keeping their head up. Yes. Uh, so they're yeah. looking because the, that's another thing is what ends up happening is they're, they they start rocking their head forward and back. <laughs> and then they lean back with their head, yeah. Right. So this is like getting them to focus straight up on the ceiling while they just come up in the crunch and so I would pretend I say, you know, pretend like I'm taking a 
string and I'd stand over them so it'd actually be me. Like I'm pulling your your nose up with a yeah, string yeah. and that used to help. But I've never heard of the tongue pressing. Yeah, in. and I had people try That's it. That's interesting. Actually, it actually worked. I'm over here trying to do it right here. <laughs> I know. I'm like trying to feel the muscles involved with that. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember who, who taught me that, but it actually worked. It's How did that weird. not make the trainer trick conversation at the end of the day? That's I don't it. Yeah, it just uh, popped this, in These always head. just come. Yeah, I know. Naturally. I don't think I talked about the string one either. That's why we have to do that There's more often. so many things that I... I don't don't come up right now because I'm not using them with a with a client. But mm-hmm. if once we start talking, they start popping in my head. I These always, are things I taught for years. I'm always trying to to tell that to Taylor and Danny who are running the YouTube channel now is like I mean that where the gold is at is in that. Like sometimes we can get caught up in all the the minutia with all of our peers that are in academia with you know sounding smart and dropping awesome knowledge and shit yeah. but it's like man the things that i when i think yeah, back do you and, horizontal rotation of the way I, just twist your body right yeah. just yeah. say that the <laughs> thing the thing the things that i i look back at like were game changers as far as like taught a client a maneuver it's like they were these little tips that were just so basic like that like you know pretend this oh shit now all of a sudden i've been doing crunches for three years my neck always gets sore and hurt now that one little cue and I'm doing it correctly. Like mm-hmm. I, I think uh, sometimes as trainers, we get caught up into speaking to our peers or sounding really smart to our peers that we forget about, you know, what we're really trying to do is to get these clients or get these people to be able to use or apply this, this knowledge and get it done. Like who gives a shit how cool you sound or how smart you are. It's like, if you can't get the client to properly move, then what's the whole point of yep. fucking all the, mm-hmm. all the terminology that we're trying yeah, to throw yeah, at yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Another one, I, I love cable chops. I know we've, oh, we've yeah. incorporated those in a lot of our programs and just that, that, that twisting, uh, movement is, is, is crucial. That's another part of, you know, like biomechanics that, uh, you know, you want to be able to teach and be able to stabilize properly. And so the, the way that I like to start it off though, is to be able to add in, um, just, just focus completely on, you know, the midsection with this. So I want to make sure my hips are nice and stabilized. My legs are locked in place. So this, this requires you to really anchor yourself in and, place. And, and this is hard for people. It's yeah. hard for people to rotate. Yeah. I would, I would say of like all the ones that we're probably going over right now with like that we think are top, like this is probably one of the more challenging ones. It doesn't look like it either. Like if yeah. you, if someone were to see a cable shop, like, cool, I can do that. Not the way we're talking about right now though. Right. And, and you're going to, cause the natural tendency too, is to want to lean into it. And, and so you, you, you start to take your body in that direction. And so to, um, you know, to really like understand the process of, of drawing in, you went through that process first of being able mm-hmm. to draw and activate, um, and be able to, to lock yourself in place. Um, that's, that's the first thing. So to even just to hold, uh, the cable, a lot of times, if that hasn't been established, I'm just going to have them hold and resist the forces that are pulling them towards the machine. And uh, I just knocked my phone off. (laughs) But yeah, just just for them to feel that and to be able to just anchor themselves in place, we start there. Well, that's to me, that's the money cue right there. So when I would teach a wood chop or any rotational move, I would get them locked in their base. So their feet are planted. They've got good posture. I get them all in that position. I get them to extend their arms out straight, and they're everything's tight and rigid. They have nothing in their hands yet. I don't even have, give them the cable yet. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, here's your here's your position. Now, 
what I, I do is I take my hand and I put it you against push against it. And I and mm-hmm. I, I go, I'm gonna push against you and I want you to resist it. Don't allow me to move you. And I just give them enough force that they have to engage and they feel like and they place. instantly feel right where they're supposed to feel. And I'm like, you feel that? That's mm. the muscles that we're working right now. Now you need to think about that as we rotate through this movement. So a couple things I noticed too, a lot of cheats that people will uh, immediately kind of hinge their hips back. So now they want to hit, hinge their hips back and they want to kind of push and leverage their body mm-hmm. into it. So that's one thing that I have to kind of like address right away. And then also, um, yeah, like, th- I mean, that's that's one of the main ones. The other one is their arms like kind of taking over uh, and not becoming uh, attached to their core. Yes. The this is, so the way I used to communicate it, because it's hard for people, uh, normal, regular, everyday people to understand the articulation, the twisting of the lumbar. All they understand is turn my body. Mm-hmm. So here's the example I would give people. Now you guys remember uh, remember the old Batman with Michael Keaton? Remember the original Batman costume mm-hmm. where his it was literally over his head and over his shoulders. It didn't allow him to rotate his neck. So whenever if you ever watched the old Batman when he turned his head, he'd have to turn his whole body, right? Yep. So that's what people do when they're trying to work their obliques is they're turning the, the same difference that you're finding between my head and my shoulders. What you're wanting to do, what you need to do is don't be Batman. It's the difference between me turning my head and keeping my shoulders forward and me just turning my whole body. So Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do is you're trying to turn your upper body while your lower body stays exactly where it is. That's the twist that we're talking about. not trying to get you to twist your whole body. I want your hips to face me and for you to twist your body using that middle part of your body, that middle part of your core. So and even you could go even further and regress this by having them sit on a ball or yes. you know just sit in a chair and then and rotate so that way they understand that like they're uh, you know they're differentiating between their legs. Their legs are staying put and, and straight, and their hips are locked out in front. While now I'm able to rotate across my body. Here's a, here's one of my favorite ways to do that. I would have people straddle a bench. So now the bench is in between their legs. Their legs on the outside of the bench, and I tell them pinch the bench hmm. with your legs. So mm-hmm. squeeze the bench with your legs. Now rotate. So while squeezing, that would give them the cue to keep their hips mm-hmm. facing forward mm-hmm. and then do the cable chops. I like that. And that would teach them to be able to twist their body. And then we could progress to, to standing. And cable chops done right, boy, they're great at developing the midsection. Cable chops done wrong, you're just learning how to twist your body. Now, at some point, if you're training athletes, you just want them to learn how to twist. Yeah, we'll but get we're, to that. Yeah, we're teaching people how to activate the, 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 the full function of the obliques. Which so is that twisting if if I've got my mechanics my mechanics down, I I can definitely engage my core. I've even advanced it enough to where I can rotate. My ultimate favorite single exercise that I like to teach or I like to do personally is the perfect sit up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean the, you mean the right way to do a sit up? Right, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The perfect sit up is uh, I think the the best thing, and it's but it takes some strength and it does take some good connection. And all it is, it, it looks like an extremely slow crunch to a full setup. I like to call it a roll up. Yeah, roll up. It's mm-hmm. like and and that's exactly what you're doing is and you and uh I think it was Brink or somebody who first, you know, it told me to cue it like this where as you sit back into it and you open up, you're trying to lay each individual vertebrae 
down on the ground. So I'll start somebody from the sitting up position first. Mm. So they're sitting upright. Their knees are bent at 45. So like you're hugging your knees, like you're sitting up like that. And then you're going to lay back. And when you lay back, your goal is to start thinking about your, your lower, your lower back. And you're trying to let each vertebrae get laid down by itself and not just drop three or four vertebrae down on the ground. Such you, a great exercise. And mm -hmm. if you can practice that, and most people can only do a couple I mean, most people can only do like one to five. Oh, they're a lot harder than they look. Oh, extreme. And and to me, learning to articulate each vertebrae like that and be that well connected to your, your core while you do, oh man, at the, you get good at that, I feel like everything else becomes so much easier. Makes a huge difference. What about planks? How how misused have planks been <laughs> through the years? of? I remember when that, here's the funny thing about planks. It's one of those exercises that nobody did, didn't exist, and then all of a sudden yeah. it became... The greatest exercise of all time, literally overnight. I remember right. as a trainer, and then it got it's bastardized. The staple. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't. Nobody did planks when I first became a personal trainer. It wasn't even an exercise. It just wasn't anything you did for your core. Uh -uh. All of a sudden, it became the exercise, and the goal was how long can you stay up on your toes and on your forearms, and then now you're working your core. And I remember I would do it, and I would do it myself, and be like, well. I kind of feel my core, but if I get real tired, I feel it my lower back and my shoulders get tired. Mm -hmm. And then I'd have clients do it, and some of them would have their low backs would start to bother them. And then I started to break down what's going on. I'm like, oh, their back is arched, their hip flexors are staying tight, and their low back is getting tight to stabilize them. What if I had them tilt their t tuck their tailbone and do a little mini crunch and squeeze their abs and, and change the focus? And boom, the plank became mm -hmm. a hardcore ab and it's core a completely exercise. different exercise at that point it's the way to, i remember the first time i posted it on instagram people were losing their mind they thought yeah. oh my god he's doing it wrong right nope try it this like, way and watch oh my god all the shearing well, forces oh yeah another another testament to giving solid cues that really change fundamentally change somebody versus getting caught up in the semantics with other with our peers you know mm -hmm. I, I remember when you posted that i remember when we did a youtube video i remember all the shit that we were getting from people being like that's not a plank. A plank should look more level. It's like, yeah, but the problem is most people do not know how to get the core engaged in that position, and they are just supporting it with their hip flexors and their low back. Mm -hmm. So exaggerating the opposite way is not going to do any harm whatsoever. And in fact, all it really does is help the average person really engage the core in that position right. and really turn it into a useful exercise. I, it was one of the best videos yeah. I think we ever did. And even still, I mean, it's a great exercise, but at that point, you're still just stabilizing. Mm -hmm. That movement is like really focused about stabilizing, but you can actually, you know, do it in a way where you create reps out of it. Mm -hmm. So now it changes the exercise oh, active, further. Active planks are gnarly. Active planks are hard, man. Those are literally, you're bringing your hips to the floor and you're coming up and you're doing this crunch with a tremendous amount of resistance. It's an advanced exercise. So I would always start people off with a traditional plank and I'd have them start off on their knees. But believe it or not, n planks on your knees for the average person with that tailbone tuck, they will definitely oh. feel it oh, in their yeah, abs. 100%. Yeah. They will definitely feel Most it. Most everybody I start yeah. there. It's rare that I would take somebody. You, I feel like it's a... Doing a normal plank, you it requires somebody who's got pretty good conditioning, pretty good connection to their abs already to be able to cue that well. And it's funny. It's like the exercise that trainers have every beginner do. Yeah. yeah. You know? Okay, right. get into a plank. Hold yourself up. You're doing a plank. Yeah. No, you're not. And that's what I meant by being bastardized. It's probably one of the, the number one misused exercises in the gym. Misdone. Yeah. Misdone and misused yeah, every single time. Yeah, you see that a lot. So uh, that video is great. Well, you know, talking about all the 
now challenging movements. And for sure, I think those are some of the best exercises. Um, you know, then you start going into things that are a little more advanced, like maybe in a power type movement. Mm. And I know Justin- Like medicine ball tosses and stuff? Yeah, medicine ball tosses, like chest passes, like uh, lots of like real explosive, like getting up off of the ground, like, you know, things that you have to do where, you know, your abs are very much involved, but to be able to do that with acceleration and control, uh, obviously this is the pinnacle of what you've mm -hmm. been building up towards. Mm -hmm. Now, where, where would you guys program, you know, here's the thing real quick, you got to have good control and good stability before you do these power exercises. But once you get to that point and you can control your, your core, you know, how to act, articulate the muscles and, and, and you, you got good stability. How would you guys program those power movements? I like think, it, ball? I think if you can perform five of those perfect sit-ups really well, mm. you've got a pretty good understanding and good connection to your core, mm. and you're probably pretty strong and you have a nice base. From there, I would start to teach power stuff, but not before. Mm. I think yeah. you. I think there's so much foundation to be laid before you do something explosive. Mm -hmm. It's it's like reminding me like uh like jump boxes. You know, we see people do jump boxes and that they, they can't even do a squat they can't do a squat properly no. and so to me you are you you should be improving your squat well before you do something explosive and you jump from the squat so the i think the same thing with working the core i agree that uh, you know medicine ball tosses is the is the pinnacle is awesome you get a ton of bang for your buck if you are doing it correctly. And so for me, I've laid the foundation with all the other movements that we were teaching first before I start do, to implement Do you guys this. remember that machine? It was an ab machine. Yeah, that you lay back uh, with the ball behind your head and then you come up like uh, ferociously and you throw it. Yes, but yes. it was 24 Hour Fitness got it. This was towards, this was after I had left the company and it was a basketball like hoop and a target. And what you, you did is you sat back yeah, mm -hmm. and you made baskets. And they thought it was so smart and so brilliant. And people loved it because it was fun. Yeah. But I used to see people do that all the time wrong and see them you just hammering the shit oh, out of the yeah. hip flexors. And I was like, oh, boy, that's, well, again, you're not going to feel good tomorrow. This is where the groundwork makes all the difference, right? Because yeah. like, that, that could be a very short uh, exercise like where I'm going through just a few reps, but I get maximal effort in all those reps. Uh, where for me, power is one of those things anyway. I'm not going to prescribe a whole lot of reps when I'm doing a yeah, power movement because it fatigue. defeats the purpose. Yeah. Um, so that that's how I would uh, you know program in a lot of these like power type even core exercises because um, you know I'm going to emulate certain movements that I may be I may be doing out on the field where I'm rotating ferociously to one side. Uh, you know I'm throwing a ball as hard as I can. Uh, all these things are going to uh, you know, affect the core and to be able to, um, build upon, uh, you know, that reservoir, mm -hmm. like, like, like ramp up my capacity for, uh, being able to, uh, you know, get that type of, uh, connection with my core at a high level. It's going to help now, uh, my athletics is going to help whatever, like the, the, it's going to trickle into even like, uh, you know, strength training as well. So. Yeah. When I, when I would have people do power exercises, I would have them do it, uh, either on their own or at the beginning of a of an ab or core workout, it would mm -hmm. never be at the end. I would do it when they're, you know, I'd warm them up, and now they have the, they can generate power, and I would treat it like power exercises. We're not doing it to fatigue. We're doing it for explosive power, rest in between each rep, 
develop that power, and then I'd move him into you know some of the exercises. And it's a totally different stimulus. So like for your muscles will respond too. So if you're in in sort of a plateau, like this is one of those I will throw in. You know, if you've already laid down the groundwork, now we throw in a couple power exercises, mm-hmm. gets all new stimulus. You bring that back into a new phase where you go back to strength, and wow, you see like a, a totally different response out of your muscles. Yeah. One thing that tripped me out is when I started doing um, like heavy carries, uh, how mu- how much that worked my core, like how I would feel it in my core to do like the suitcase carries and the overhead, uh, even some of the overhead carry exercises that you right. taught me, uh, Justin. One of my favorites is a, a good old fashioned farmer walk or a un- or a one sided loaded you know walk where I have one dumbbell or one kettlebell, mm-hmm. maintaining a very stiff, rigid body you know, articulating my feet as I walk. And man, I would get oh. so much activation. Well, in my you core. know what I love about those is it it just highlights, um, you know, where your body's natural tendency is to want to go towards, uh, you know, whatever's pulling you in that direction. Like you, you just want to like uh, make things easier, more effective and efficient. But to, for me to resist what's pulling me in that direction is a whole nother part of the process of training your core. Mm -hmm. And so for me to be able to keep a straight line and keep my body stabilized all the way through that, because that weight is substantial. That weight is dragging me down to that one side. It's making my hips want to rotate towards it. It's making my shoulder want to come towards it. I have to fight that natural tendency in an urge and so this is a whole nother process of training the the abs. We call it anti-rotation, but really it's 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 the ability to resist those forces, but also now uh, do whatever the movement is mm. that I that I was set to do. I would even argue that the anti-rotational movements uh, I would do or train a client before power. Even. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, I know we talked about the our favorite exercises and even address power before addressing uh, anti-rotational like we are right now. No, I think it's fundamental. Yeah, yeah, it's far more fundamental. It is far more fundamental, and I think it's 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 easier to get them to understand that, and then the carryover into that when they're before they go into something explosive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we talked about the explosive stuff, but again, that's to me. That that's the pinnacle. That's the top. You've been training core and abs for a long time. You've got a great connection. You understand anti-rotational movements. You can you can fight forces pulling you in the opposite direction, and you can keep yourself rigid and stable. You've got a great like good movements that are anti-rotational too that people don't think about are like a deadlift, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you go to do a deadlift, one of the the cues that you give is the the bracing of the core before you pull pull up because the natural thing to do is to fold at the core when you pull mm-hmm. up, and that's when you see these rounded backs. So somebody who I see in the gym and they're deadlifting and they have like a really rounded back, I know they don't have very good core activation either. They haven't put the prerequisites in to do a really good deadlift because their body can't even hold their spine rigid to do a deadlift. Mm So, you know, I think of explosive movements. I'm going to teach these anti-rotational movements first. You know, Justin, you and I did a series uh, it was a it was an anti rotational series, and we do the what they call what the the payoff press. Yeah, is that the one where you're 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 just extending your arms and not moving but fighting the resistance? Yeah, so you it's can, basically like yeah. lengthening the lever and then you shortening. can be in a, in a bilateral stance or like you can basically be in a split stance as well to really enhance that even more because being in a split stance you're already sort of a little bit unstable, but now as you're going to press so. 
the idea is that the the rubber band is is tied to let's say like the squat rack, mm-hmm. and I'm pulling it out right so it in look, front of my chest. It looks like you're in the middle of doing a chop, a right. cable chop. Right. Okay. But now I'm just I'm just standing in place, and I'm trying to resist my body from being pulled into the rack. And so uh, to the press part of it is just pressing my arms forward and then pulling them back into place. And so what you're doing by doing that is you're shortening the lever and lengthening the lever, which which what it does to your core is it decreases the resistance, increases the resistance. Yep. No movement, though. No movement. So it's like you're maintaining, you're, you're, stable, you're being stable, you're stabilizing your body, and then increasing the resistance. It's got to maintain stability, decreasing the resistance, take a little break, increase resistance, decrease, and that's called anti-rotation. Now, you could you can in- increase that or progress that by adding movement. Yep. So you can now turn it into a, you know, payoff press with a squat or a lunge to now you start to incorporate the lower body with that. Oh, so you wow. talk about the 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 benefits of the anti-rotational you were talking earlier Sal about the upper body b- learning to communicate with the lower body and then being able to stay rigid what a great way to progress this is okay now you understand how to stay rigid you know what the band is pulling you one direction okay now can you do a squat with that okay or mm-hmm. can you do a, a reverse lunge or a forward lunge mm-hmm. with that so now you're getting the lower body to communicate and then also being able to keep that core rigid up top like excellent excellent moves to incorporate into your routine again before you progress to some of these crazy type of exercises that are explosive. Yeah, I would say for the average person um, during the week, I'd say you probably want to do at least one or two direct exercises for the you know the abs and the obliques. So something that really works the abs, something that works the obliques. You want to have some kind of a stabilization exercise, some kind of an anti-rotation type movement. Um, and and something for your TVA, and you're probably I'd say that's probably going to be pretty complete yeah. for a, a good core, you know, type workout. That's both going to develop the muscles, so you develop that nice shape, but it's also going to shrink the waist, so that you have that aesthetic component of of having the smaller waist, and then of course the function. Well, that's the that's the byproduct of doing all the right exercises. Well, not now all of this, uh, none of it matters if we don't eat correctly in order to reduce the body fat in this area. So yeah, because you could have a big gut the, and have all great, strong, right, no, obvious right. elephant in the room. And, right? we, and we've seen that, right? We've seen You've seen people with massive guts, but they have extremely strong cores and abs. So you don't necessarily have to have a strong core, but if you're trying to shrink your waist or build a sexy midsection, the the obvious and most important piece to all of this is the diet. Yeah, get lean. Is, is to and that's where the sayings like abs are made in the kitchen, uh, right, yeah, come from. Yeah. Is that if you're not putting the work in on the nutritional side, you can do all these great ab exercises and may never even see your abs or shrink your, yeah, your so, waist. Yeah, and still to this day, people think that you know spot reduction is a viable you know way to sculpt your body. Um, it, it really isn't like, you know, if you work out your abs and your core like crazy, you're not going to get leaner in specifically in the core, in the core and ab region because your body doesn't burn body fat that way. It's more, it's a systemic effect. Now you'll get leaner overall if your diet is good and you're working out, but you can't target specifically where you, you want to get leaner. Now, of course you can create the illusion of having a smaller waist by strength and TVA and all that stuff. But what you're saying, Adam is hundred percent correct. Like you, if you're overweight and you're like, oh, I want to get a smaller waist, I'm going to do all these core exercises, but my diet's going to be terrible. And I'm going to eat too many calories. 
you're not going to get that. You're not going to get many results. You'll get a stronger core. You'll get greater function. That's for sure, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're not going to get a smaller waist because it's going to be surrounded by layers of body fat. You have to get leaner. Um, and we've talked, you know, ad nauseum about you know ways to do that. But at the end of the day, it's a couple things you can't get around. You got to have to eat less calories than you're burning. Um, you want to have some balance to your macro breakdown. High protein diet tends to work better. Uh, for fat loss for for most people, but here's a big one. Um, you know, rather than talking specifically about how to lose weight and all that stuff, because that could be a whole another episode, I think it's important we talk about how to prevent gut distension from eating foods you're intolerant to. Ah, uh, mm. I love that you went here because you know what's funny. It, everybody has experienced this. Everybody has gorged the night before and mm-hmm. seen this massive belly, and then woke up in the morning. And their stomach like, looks. Oh my god, I feel fat. Right, yeah. and and you see this uh, a lot. And there's a couple things that go in go, are coming into play here when you when you look at somebody's stomach that's all distended like that. A lot of the times, it's because the foods that you are eating are inflammatory. And so one of the common areas is, of course, your gut gets inflamed. So then it protrudes out even more. And then because of all the calories and the carbs that you probably consumed, your body retains a bunch of water. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, we wake up and then we have this flat stomach. And people are like, why, am I, why is my stomach so flat in the morning? Well, those inflammatory markers have come down. You've re- lost some of the water. Food You're, is getting digested. Yeah, the food has been digested. And then we have this flat stomach. So there are some some things to to be aware of besides just staying in a calorie deficit. Like it's obvious if you want to have a leaner a stomach or a sexy midsection or a smaller waist is to be in a calorie restriction and lose body fat. I think that like you said, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole of talking diet nutrition because there's a million things, but there are little things that make a difference and I think one that not a lot of people think about is the inflammatory foods is the foods that are going to inflame the gut, retain foods a bunch blow, of water that yeah. blow you. You know, I've had I've had clients. I had this one client who, when she first hired me, she sent me pictures of her of her stomach, so it was like a side view. So she's in her sports bra, side view. This is what I look like in the morning, and she was lean, so her body fat was eighteen percent, which is a, a healthy, athletic body fat percentage. She's like, here I am in the morning. And here I am at night. And I mean, the difference in the size of her waist was silly. It looked like she went from flat stomach to being, you know, five, six months pregnant. And it was because she was eating foods that she was intolerant to. And we identified what they were. And so we said, okay. And so through this whole process, we identified, here's the foods that bloat you. Let's stay away from those because that's causing inflammation. By the way, there's some side effects of this that will actually reduce your body, your ability to develop a nice midsection. Because when your gut gets inflamed... Uh, first off, it stretches out the your, your belly. And when your belly's stretched out, those muscles that surround your gut now cannot fully contract and fully activate when you squeeze them. It's no different than me putting your bicep in a stretch position and keeping it in the stretch position and asking you to try to activate it. It's much more difficult. So that stretching out of those muscles because of the distended midsection now makes it harder to work out and connect uh, to those muscles. So having no less inflammation, less bloat actually helps you with your core workouts. Now in my personal experience, and this is different from person to person, but my personal experience working with clients, the biggest offenders for this bloat or distended gut are the mo- the, the common food intolerances. Dairy, uh, gluten, um, for some people nuts, for other people egg whites, but usually dairy and gluten. Sugar, Highly processed foods and lots and lots of uh, of starches in, in a specific meal. So so those are the ones that for, I'd say probably cover 
75% of the people that I've worked with in terms of like, let's look at all these things. Let's cut your dairy out. Let's cut your gluten out. Um, when you eat your meal, let's reduce your starches, uh, maybe split them up a little bit or cut them down uh, altogether and replace them with fats or proteins. And they all tend to notice, not all, but I get, like I said, a good majority tend to notice much flatter midsection, way less bloat. And of course, it feels uncomfortable right. to have that bloated mm-hmm. right. gut. So so if we were to recap this, the the five things that we kind of connect, went over, the first one I think we all agree is like getting connected, right? Get connected. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be the first one. Uh, train the TVA. Make sure you train the muscles that shrink the midsection. Do the best exercises. We listed a few of our favorites. We said like reverse crunches. Uh, we talked about cable chops. We talked about the... Uh, the perfect sit-up, which we like, planks and active planks. Mm-hmm. Um, those are great. Uh, we talked about practicing anti-rotation. The Paloff Press, you can look that up. Um, it's P-A-L-O-F-F Press. And then if you right. go on our YouTube channel, uh, Mind Pump TV, just look up anti-rotation exercises. Adam and Justin did a great Yeah, I'm sure that Jackie video. will put them in the, in the show notes oh, in here perfect. too, for sure. So include that. And then, of course, we got to dial in your diet. Like if your diet is terrible, then I don't care what yeah. you do. <laughs> You're, you're going to have a real hard time. You're not going to get a smaller way. So, And with that, um, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can download some of our free guides. In fact, there's a guide there specifically that helps people get a flatter midsection. Uh, I wrote that one a little while ago. It's totally free. Again, mindpumpfree.com. Also, I want to remind everybody, there's only 24 hours left for the 50% off MAPS performance sale. So if you're interested, just go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Use the code GREEN50, G R E E N. Five zero, And also, if you want to find us individually on social media, you can find us all on Instagram. Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. I'm at Mind Pump Sal. And Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.